0: whew, whew. You know, I I am reluctant to preach when the glory of God is in the room. This morning, I'm reluctant to preach because the glory of God is in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we don't wanna just go through, I've got a beautiful PowerPoint presentation. I've got fantastic points. I've got great teaching. But this morning, I don't wanna proceed unless God goes before us, amen. So just in this holy moment, would you lift a hand to heaven and let's pray. God, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you that you meet with us, that we don't just play Christian karaoke on a Sunday morning, but as words escape our mouths with melody and lyric, God, you inhabit that very praise. And this morning, God, We don't wanna go through the the normal service unless you're in it. And so we ask God, even as I share this morning what I feel you've placed on my heart, Lord, would you continue to be with us? A sermon, a a preach is not the main event, you are the main event. And we honour you today. And everybody said... Amen, amen. Hey, well, look, like Charles said, my name is Chris. I have a lot of love for this house. I commented this morning as I walked in the front door that Uni Hill to me feels like family. I've got a lot of people here that I love, uh, and first and foremost among them are your leadership. Aren't you blessed with great leaders, church? Man, I, I have so much love for Charles and April. Uh, Charles has been. A mentor, a father figure, a brother figure, sometimes a son figure. I don't even know how you can be all of those in one. But they, Charles and April are a couple that we uh, deeply admire and we love and we're so grateful to have in our world. And, and like Charles said, I want to thank you from our church, Awakened Church in Canberra, for pioneering Hope Tour. And the fact that this year we were able to launch Hope Tour in another state for the very first time is an indicator to me of the visionary leadership that is on these guys, amen. So would you just bless them one more time, church? Would you thank God for them? It's it's very easy to be a leader. In church life, if you just keep saying yes to stuff, eventually, this is what happened to me, someone will give you leadership. But it takes guts, it takes determination, and it takes a relationship with the Father to be a visionary leader. And that's what I feel you guys are, and I'm so grateful to have you in my life. Uh, As Charles said, a couple of weeks before Canberra Hope Tour, uh, I snapped my ACL and my medial meniscus. I tore into my medial meniscus. Not a fun time. I did all of Hope Tour. We were in 12 schools this year on crutches. There is video footage of me trying to dance with crutches. Wouldn't recommend. But this house, every single one of you, whether you know it or not, have been a blessing in our nation's capital. And for that, I thank you. Because uh, as soon as I did it, I called up Charles. I was devastated. And uh, Dave Simpson came up for like the entire week. I want to you, bro. And thank you. Oh, I'm getting emotional. It's good. It's good. But I want to teach very briefly this morning. Not for long. Uh, it's been really tricky to condense what I feel like God's placed on my heart to share this morning. So I've come to a compromise. I'm going to give you the 15 minute version. And then straight after that, I'll give you the full two hour teaching. And you can tell me which one you prefer. If that's, no, I joke. The title, the title of my very brief message this morning is Why Worship? Turn to your neighbour and say, why worship? why worship? Why is that my title? Well, it's great alliteration. But second of all, knowing why we worship God informs us of its value and its importance. For some reason, we forget why we worship. Or sometimes we just simply disobey God and we don't. That's me, I've been there, I've been there. Uh, Here's a light bulb bulb moment that I had on worship as a kid. When I was a kid, we had this light bulb lamp. It was beautiful. It sat on a little coffee table, big, beautiful bulb. And as a four-year-old kid, my mum would say, Chris, whatever you do, don't touch that light bulb. Whatever you do, don't touch it. And as a four-year-old, I was very, like a moth to flame, very attracted to this beautiful light bulb and would kind of reach and mum would go, no, no, don't you do that. No, don't you do that. But who knows, it's somehow ingrained in our humanity that when we get a commandment from God, sometimes a commandment from our mother with the intent to protect us from harm, sometimes we twist the words that we've heard, sometimes we forget, sometimes we directly disobey, And so I found a workaround, as a four-year-old kid, my mum will will swear to you that this is true, I wrapped my lips around this light bulb. Thought, man, I can't touch it, but you didn't say I couldn't use my mouth. (laughs) Not a smart idea, right? And here's the command from Scripture, with everything that you have, praise God, worship His holy name. Why? It's a commandment for our encouragement and our protection light bulb moment that the Israelite people had. I'm not gonna get you to turn because we don't have time. But out of Exodus chapter 20, verse three, very clearly in the 10 commandments, God says to Moses, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below or in the waters. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I the Lord your God and a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my command. The Israelite people were super familiar with this concept of worshiping one true God. Moses received the 10 Commandments, on the Mount after the Israelite people had come out of Egypt in the Bible. They were in slavery. And the perfect trap for the Israelite people was this idea of polytheism, multiple gods. Egypt had a God for just about everything, right? And God is very clearly, like my mother did with the light globe, very clearly laying out to the the Jewish people, worship me and worship me alone. But sometimes we forget, sometimes we disobey. The Bible goes on to say in Exodus 32, that Moses was up on the mountain with God, they get bored and they say this, I'm gonna skip around a bit for the sake of time. To Aaron, they said this, come make us gods who will go before us. Notice that phrase gods. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron and he made an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. The Bible goes on to say that Moses is up on the mountain and as he's coming down, he begins to hear the people worshipping this idol. an Israelite people, the Jewish people who were freed from the slavery and the oppression of the Egyptians in a culture where they worshipped more gods than you could poke a stick at. God says, you shall only worship me and yet they disobey and they begin to worship other gods, gods made out of earrings. And as Moses is coming down the mountain, he turns to his mate, he goes, man, it sounds like a war down there. This is crazy, what is going on? And he finds that the Jewish people are worshipping the wrong thing. And so too do we in our culture, in our everyday life, we've been freed from the slavery of sin. And yet sometimes we can snap back into the worship of other gods, the worship of finance, the worship of food. Oh man, I'm preaching to myself this morning. The worship of coffee, have I got any lovers of coffee in the house? We've been freed from the slavery of sin, yet sometimes we can make idols out of the things that God had intended to support us, but not for us to worship. And so it seems like a really harsh example, but we are the Israelite people in this scenario. And God is reaching out from heaven this morning to you and to I to say this, worship me. Don't worship that future relationship. Don't worship that boy. Don't worship that girl. Don't worship your kids as beautiful as they are. No, worship me. You shall have no other gods before me. Sometimes as a worship leader, uh, it feels like you're a cheerleader. Yeah? Have you, have you noticed AFL? I'm, I'm from Canberra, love my AFL. I'm a, I'm a fierce Western Bulldogs supporter. On the day I got married, the Western Bulldogs won their first ever grand final. And my dad, no kidding, in his speech, got up in front of our entire wedding reception and said, the doggies won. And everyone was like, yeah, it was a great moment. I love, love the doggies. But have you noticed at AFL games, and I haven't been to one maybe for four or five years, but have you noticed they don't need cheerleaders? Have you ever noticed if you, if you watch the Premier League, the English, you know, soccer and you have one half of the stadium screaming songs across to the other half of the stadium. Have you ever noticed that they don't need cheerleaders? But you go to an NFL game in the States, you go, like, yeah, here's the concept, here's the thought. We want to avoid this feeling like cheerleading. Why? Because you already have an understanding, you have a concept, you have a picture that the thing that we are up singing about together as a church family is worth your investment. It's not, hey church, you should praise God. Yeah, do it, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Sometimes, and I love this house because you've got such a great culture of worship, but sometimes it feels as a worship leader like we have to be the cheerleaders of the family. But the reality is that when the cats play, You will get up and scream because the thing that you are observing is something that you're invested in. And so I've got three quick points about worship and then we're gonna get stuck in. Point one, the outer court versus the inner court. This changed my life and I hope that it shapes some of your understanding of, of worship. In the book of Ezekiel, the priests would minister to people in the outer court and they would minister to the Lord in the inner court. Pretty simple. You can go check it out if you want. The word minister means to attend to the needs of. And so in the outer court of the temple, the priests, you and I are priests, by the way. We're a royal priesthood, the Bible says. In the outer courts, they would attend to the needs of people. And in the inner court, they would attend to the needs of God. And I read this in Ezekiel and I went, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Because God, perfect, blameless, holy, He has no needs at all. So what does it mean to minister unto the Lord in worship? Any thoughts? I'll chuck it open for a, no, I won't. Here's the perspective. God has no needs, but He has desires. He has wants. And this morning what He's after is your heart. He's after you. And so we minister to the Lord, not by attending to His needs because we know He has no needs, but attending to His wants. And this morning, God's greatest desire, His want is for you to minister to Him. Why? By bringing yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto Him in front of His throne. The Bible calls us to worship in spirit and in truth. For these are the worshippers that the Father seeks or wants. Spirit and in truth. Spirit. This is a spiritual activity as we worship God. It's not karaoke. I do a lot of cover gigs. We're not doing Bruno Mars up here. It's a spiritual activity. Something comes alive within you when you worship God. And truth with nothing hidden. With nothing hidden. Nothing holding us back. I'm going I'm to skip some stuff. <laughs> Here's the most beautiful picture of this concept. God wants us to minister to him, to attend to his wants by offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. So now the, the book of Luke, Luke chapter seven. I want to I tell this story. It'll be up on the screens if you need it. "'In the neighbourhood there was an immoral woman of the streets, "'known to all to be a prostitute. "'When she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, "'she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster, "'filled it with the most expensive perfume, "'went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader, "'and knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all the guests.' Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with the tears that fell from her face. She kept crying and drying her feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed Jesus' feet. Then she opened her flask and anointed his feet with the perfume as an act of worship. Simon was pretty unimpressed by this. And he thought to himself, this man, Jesus, can't be a true prophet. If he was, he would know what kind of sinful woman is touching him. And Jesus goes on to tell Simon, A story, a story about two men who were deeply in debt. One owed the bank $100,000 and the other owed $10,000. When it was obvious that neither of them would be able to repay their debts, the kind banker graciously wrote off the debts and forgave them all that they owned. He said to Simon, tell me which of the two debtors would be the most thankful? Which one would love the banker most? Simon said, I suppose it would be the one with the greatest debt forgiven. You're right, Jesus agreed. Then he spoke to Simon about the woman still weeping at his The lesson from this story is beautiful and it's a beautiful picture of what worship is, is that it has to cost us something. It has to cost us something. You know, scholars estimate that this alabaster jar that the woman cracked over Jesus' feet didn't have a lid, didn't have a screw top, but she literally had to wastefully crack it open over Jesus' feet to let it all pour out. They estimate that this was worth about a year's worth of wages. So imagine... Somebody in our present culture coming before Jesus in worship and cracking open 60 grand at His feet. Just think about that for a second. That's wild, right? That's sacrifice. That's huge. But Jesus says to His disciples, this act of worship has so marked me that we will speak about it for all eternity man, I wanna, I wanna bring worship to God that so marks Jesus's heart that when I'm having coffee with Him in 10,000 years in the beautiful Starbucks of heaven, Starbucks, gross. It'll be good up there, I promise. <laughs> when I'm having coffee with Jesus, He will go, man, remember that time that you worshipped me like that. Remember that time where you really poured out everything that you had. Remember that time, you know, we'll be sitting in Starbucks with Jesus, my Uni Hill family and me and Jesus. And he'll go, man, remember that time that woman cracked open that perfume at my feet? In 10,000 years. The Bible's pretty clear. It says we're gonna still talk about it. So here's the perspective. Spirit and in truth, sacrifice. And this morning, your sacrifice is gonna look a little different to my sacrifice. For you this morning, something that will cost you will be different to me. I've been worship leading for a number of years. I love it to pieces. I don't get embarrassed by much. But this morning, maybe the sacrifice as we enter in worship, and I'll get the band to come up because I don't want to waste another moment speaking when God could be speaking directly to us. Maybe your sacrifice this morning is a sacrifice of pride. Maybe it's a sacrifice of fear in that you lay aside fear and for the first time you offer something to God, a next step that costs you something. For each one of us, that's gonna be different. If you spend an entire worship set sitting in your chair, maybe this morning that sacrifice, that next step is standing up. If you spend worship standing up with your, your hands by your sides, maybe the next sacrifice is to go to the, Pen- the Pentecostal baby, this one. Maybe if you're really good with the Pentecostal baby, that jar of perfume this morning that you're gonna crack at the feet of Jesus that cost you something is lifting that Pentecostal baby to the sky. If, if, if you're all good with the sky, with the one hand, take it to the two hand. Make sure you put on deodorant before you did, you, you, you've done that. Maybe if the Pentecostal two hand in the air is great, God is challenging you in this moment to bring some praise and to bring some worship that takes you to the next level, that, that, that will cost you. You know, the disciples looked at this woman, this prostitute with shame, with fear, with disgust and it so marked Jesus that regardless of what the people around her thought, she still brought it to Him. So maybe for you this morning, man, God's prompting your heart. I'm gonna sing louder than I ever have before. Maybe your first step this morning is just to stand. Maybe your first step is to sing. It's gonna be different for every single one of us, but I tell you what, as we, like this woman did, begin to pour out everything that we have at the feet of Jesus, He is faithful to hear from heaven and show up. And I believe that as we increase our faith and our expectation of what the presence of God as we worship can do, miracles will begin to take place in Jesus' Name. Lives will begin to change in Jesus' Name. Circumstances that you saw no way out of are gonna shift in Jesus' Name. Is that cool, Church? I don't wanna waste another moment. So why don't you stand? And I want you to put real concrete, real concrete thoughts about God, what does a sacrifice of praise look like for me today? Maybe it means opening your mouth for the very first time in church, even though you know you can't sing. Maybe it's a lifted hand. Maybe if you're great with a lifted hand, you wanna spin around. No one's gonna judge you here because we're all gonna be taking our next step for the first time. Maybe it's to kneel at the feet of Jesus and say, you can have my whole life. But here's the perspective, the woman that cracked open the perfume at the feet of Jesus, you know, she was the only one in the room that left that place smelling like Him. this morning I believe that as you pour it out as you pour out a fresh praise a fresh sacrifice a fresh perfume at the feet of Jesus that as you leave you will leave smelling like him that you will leave with the fragrance of heaven so I'm gonna pray over you I'm gonna pray faith and boldness for this last 10, 15 minutes, that as we pour out everything we have at the feet of Jesus, that you would have the courage to take the next step, that you would have the courage to take the next step today. But as a church community, you would have the courage to go deeper in worship next week and next week again, that your heart would forever be challenged of God, what can I offer unto you that costs me something? Is that cool church? So every hand to heaven right now, I'm gonna pray, God, I thank You for this family of believers. God, I honour them and I bless them. And I pray right now, courage in Jesus' Name, that any fear of man would be gone in the mighty Name of Jesus. And as we come before Your throne room today, as we pour out something that costs us something, You would so meet with them. You would so draw near to them that they would leave forever changed.